Yum nub. Eat out the yum nub. Hello and welcome to Yubcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name is Jamie and I spend my life defending the Republic. Can't stop now. My name is Matt and stop pretending you're some something you're not, Hunter. We're not like the regs. We never have been. We're superior. Mmm. Crosshair. Nice. Yeah. Good crosshair quote for a good crosshair episode. Yes. So today we are going to talk about Bad Batch. We're back to Bad Batch. We're still in Bad Batch Season 2. we got a few episodes left after this, but we're going to talk about Episode 12 today, The Outpost. But before we do that, um, I thought I could, even though I'm a solo tiki drinker tonight, I thought we could do a tiki room. Yeah. Um, yeah, and um, as I explained before, I am, I've already had two drinks and I spent the entire weekend camping um, if I have another drink, I will just, I, I will literally pass out. So, and I spent the night with, I spent the evening with my in-laws making them dinner. <laughs> and then I lost a bunch of games of chess and then I found out I have jury duty in the morning. So I am going to drink until I'm passed out. <laughs> um, I'm going to run the tiki theme. In the tiki 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 room, in the tiki 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 room, all the birds sing word and the flowers croon. In the tiki 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 room. So this isn't going to be a regular thing, but I, I, I really enjoy like the history and preparation of alcohol, and so I, I really, since we have these tiki glasses, when I go out of my way to make a tiki drink or a cool drink, I'm going to bring it up. Uh, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it, but today. Um, I did make Mai Tais for my wife and I. And Mai mm. Tai. Have you had a Mai Tai before? Uh, yeah, it's been a while, though. Yeah, so it's, a, it's sort of a fun drink. Um, and I'm drinking it out of my Vader um, tiki mug with my little metal straw. It's not the right glass for it, but who cares? Um, I'm, it's a tiki drink. It goes in my tiki mug. Mm-hmm. But for people who don't know, and this is an explicit podcast, so I assume you're all adults... Um, uh, Mai Tai is two kinds of rum, dark and light. It is um, uh, lime juice, orange liqueur, and I use the French, a French orange cacao that we have um, in the house. We use for a mixer and um, orgeat syrup, which is an almond, which is a syrup that has almond in it, um, and it's hard to make. And so that's sort of why I, when I do something like this, I usually go all out. I'm a big believer in mise-en-scene, uh, mm. setting the scene, and and the other day I, for example, the other day I made chicken and waffles for the family, I did it all from scratch, I fried the chicken, made, made the batter, fried the chicken, made the waffles from scratch, and I had ordered these little creamer pitchers, these little metallic, um, these little stainless steel three-ounce pitchers people put creamer in, those are like 80 cents a piece. My wife rolled her eyes pretty hard when they showed up, but I was able to put like an ounce of syrup in them and give them to the boys, and so then they could serve themselves syrup and not over-serve, right? Mm-hmm. And then they it gave them like agency and fun, um, and after dinner she said, oh, those little pictures are actually sort of cool, cool idea, and they don't take up space. So I'm like this with alcohol. I collect alcohols and and mixers and stirrers and all this stuff and so making orjat that is the correct pronunciation orjat syrup is part of this journey 
understanding sort of the history and quote-unquote culture of these things, even though the culture is mostly fighter pilots mixing a bunch of alcohols together and weird fruits they've never seen before. Um, so today's Mai Tai, and I have a Mai Tai in front of me. I had one already because, like I said, I was sort of having a not not unstressful day. Um, it's also tax day. and I is, it ta- is, it, is it tax day? I thought uh, tax day was the 18th. Yeah. It's tomorrow, so I hopefully will finish my taxes tomorrow. So we'll see. Oh, you're right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so just a very strange week for me. Um, so if people want to know how the Mai Tai, I, I like it. It's not my favorite tiki drink I've made so far. Um, and I did use Blackstrap overproofed rum for the dark rum, and that's adding some interesting flavors to it. It's more burnt, molasses-y, um, smoky almost flavor to the Mai Tai, but it's good. Oh, yeah. This is, this is how, like, low-class I am compared to what you, you just said. Like, uh, I I drank a Canadian Club and some, like, strawberry lemonade, and then we had Culver's for dinner. And here, here you are, like, you're making an extravagant dinner, an extravagant drink, and I'm just like, Culver's. <laughs> What's the... And then just some just something that'll just take the edge off that doesn't taste like hell. I was trying. I was trying to do something nice for my father-in-law tonight because he's been having a rough time of it lately. And so tonight wasn't the chicken and waffles night that was last week. That was last Sunday. Um, tonight was. I just made him a steak on the grill. So mm. I, just like a nice like New York strip on the grill. I made one from. Made two, and basically, he, his wife, my mother-in-law, and my wife ate the steaks, and I went and hid. In the other room, so I didn't have to talk to anybody. <laughs> I just get to a point where I'm just done talking. Oh, yeah. I I don't disappear. I just sort of shut down. Yeah. All right. So that was the tiki drink um, segment for today. Uh, did you do any Star Wars this week? Um, just been watching Mando. Um, nothing out of the ordinary. Um, actually, no. Nothing, nothing wild and crazy that I... Um, yeah, I have not read a book or really like watched anything. Or well, okay, no, that's not true. My son and I watched some Bad Batch. Um, but um, other than that, yeah, whole lot of whole lot of nothing. Just just focusing on work and uh, scouts right now. Yeah. So at the time of this recording, we typically record Sunday nights. Um, we're coming up on the season finale of Mando. But based on our publication schedule, this will come out two weeks after that. Um, so I can't believe blank happened. Yeah, so we can't spoil it because we haven't seen it. Um, but I'm pretty sure Dendajaran drinks a Bud Light and turns into a girl. <laughs> no, it's Star Wars. It's Space Bud Light. Space Bud Light. That's right. Space Bud Light and turns into a girl. I don't know how it works. Um but it's solid science. <laughs> it's really solid science. Um, but we just saw the second to last episode a few days ago, which is where they go to return, called Spies, where they go to return to Mandalore. I assume you've, you've watched that a couple times, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. We always talk about it the day of, but I know we both do family watches later. I think I've seen it three times all the way through. Um, the boys loved it. Um Chrissy thought Grogu's exoskeleton was the best thing she's ever seen. Yeah, just the 
they they just nailed down how, like how a kid would treat something like that. Just the, the constant pressing of the button to where it's just ins- <laughs> super annoying. Yeah, I could feel like my parent gene activating after like the thirtieth time. Yeah, you're like, you're like I'm gonna tell him to stop. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> I would have like broken off the button. <laughs> no, I don't think this. I don't think this thing takes batteries. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh man, it stopped working. <laughs> what? What dumb luck? Oh well, I guess it's broken. Body. Maybe we can maybe we can fix it later. I don't yeah. have the tools with me right now, though. We'll do it later. <laughs> so, we don't know what happens. That's all to say we don't know what happens in Mando. I'm very excited for the finale, though. And we'll probably do a wrap-up show, because sometimes we do those. We've done a wrap-up show for Season 1 and Season 2 of Mando. Um, and Boba Fett. So, maybe we'll do one for Mando 3. Um, uh but you said other than that, you just watched The Bad Batch? Yeah. Season two or season one? Two. Okay. Well, I, I'm getting back into the novels, personally, and I did finish the Jedi Fallen Order novel. Um, but and, and I had a really hard time getting into it. The performance is a little... It's not my favorite performer. He did fine. Um, it's, it was just... It was very hard to understand what the plot of the book was going to be until you're very deep into the book. Um, but it's basically they're they're trying to steal a piece of tech from the Empire that's like a new cloaking device. And the book the book gets extremely violent, I'll put it that way. Um, toward the end and that that pilot of the Mantis, is it Grease? Um, his name? Sure. The four armed guy? Yeah, I don't really remember his his name. Yeah, that's Grease, but... I think. I'll look it up. Um but the um, he gets they get in a fight with the fifth brother. Um, Ooh, okay. And 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 Seer and Cal and Marin are all fighting him, and he's doing they're doing okay, and then they keep getting distracted, and he keeps coming back. Um, keeps getting back into the fight, and they're trying to rescue this person who's trying to defect from the Empire. Who knows about this? Cloaking technology, and it, yeah, his name is Latero Grease. Um, Latero Grease Dritus, I guess. Anyway, he gets in the way, and one of his arms gets cut off by the fifth brother. And then Cal almost loses an arm, too, in a, in a later fight with the fifth brother. Fifth brother's all over this book. But Sarah has all sorts of guilt about the Inquisitors, and so she's trying to save the fifth brother, and he's beyond saving, and blah, 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 blah. And there's this lesbian love story in the book between these two people trying to defect from the Empire and Marin, and it's... Overall, it got it got pretty good at the end, but it was a hard, hard book to get into. Yeah, I, um, I, I made the mistake of... Like just like looking at a review of it, and a lot of people hated it for the exact reason you stated that it um, um, that it was just the performance was very difficult. It's weird. I I, I don't want to say I don't want to say that he did a bad job, but the, it was like the tone of the book for like the first half was almost like a slapstick comedy, and then it turned super dark, and 
it was it was hard to take anything happening seriously because they kept the book kept making very bad jokes and the performance was like hamming them up if that makes sense and and so it was hard for me to get into the book and and maybe we can talk about we talked about a little bit before the show about starting to review books a little bit more on here and, and things like that and I don't want to I don't want to sound negative. I did enjoy the book overall. Just it, it's just not going to be one of my favorites. But I did start after that because, I, like now that I've activated my Star Wars book gene again, um, I started Cataclysm, which is the High Republic um, follow-up book. It's the adult novel. It, did I? Did it just come out? Yeah, it was. It came out a few weeks ago as of this recording. It's Lydia Kang's novel Cataclysm. It basically picks up right at the end of the Battle of Jeddah. There's a little bit of overlap, in fact. Like, like they're learning about what's happening in the Battle of Jeddah in the first chapter. Ah, okay. Yeah, I saw this showing up. I was like, oh, I'm sure I've read that one. I just don't remember what it was. Because it tied so closely to the Battle of Jeddah, which is the audio play from phase two of the high republic um i this book grabbed my attention immediately and i'm only three chapters in but i really love it i'll be sitting in a courthouse tomorrow for all fucking day waiting for my jury waiting to be assigned to a jury so i'm probably going to get through a lot of it well that is even if they select you yeah they they won't select me (laughs) well because because like my my the, the one time i actually did it i showed up waited around then they did pick my number and then i waited around um and uh you stood in line and listened to other people bitch and moan about stuff and then had a lawyer ask me some questions and then i got dis- then i got dismissed uh, i wa- i walked out of there uh with um not a whole lot of hope for our um our legal system and i didn't even get selected did I tell you about the other time I was summoned to my county after I moved out here? No. Yeah, I went through the whole process, and I ended up in a courtroom, and they asked us, um, they said, does anyone have any strong opinions about police, positive or negative? And I don't. Like, I know why people do, but I'm just like, whatever. So I didn't say anything. And they said, does anybody have a scientific background? And I was like, oh, yeah. And so I raised my hand, and they said, well, what do you do? And I said, I'm a molecular biologist. I work for the U.S. government. I have a Ph.D. and blah, 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 blah. And just, like, three-sentence explanation of what I did. And then one of the lawyers stood up and said, he can go. And I said, all right, see you later. (laughs) And so it probably meant that whatever case was going to have some DNA evidence. And I like we talked to lawyer friends of ours right um but you don't want an expert in the jury box because it'll undermine the expert testimony of either the prosecution or the defense so i have a foolproof plan to avoid it this time i'll just fake covid Um, (laughs) just um, keep coughing (laughs) no i was gonna do this now what were we talking about boy uh, we were talking about the time you beat jury duty. Oh, yeah. The trick is to say you're prejudiced against all races. <laughs> yeah. You don't actually do that, though. They'll hold you in contempt. <laughs> the best thing to do is just shut up, and you probably won't get selected. Yeah, so that's my fun week. I get to file my taxes and sit in a courthouse, and I guess I get a free day off work to play chess and watch Star Wars on my phone, so hooray. Alright, um, do you want to move on to the show? 
All right, let's do it. Just trying to add some transitions to our audio. All right, so as we said earlier today, we're doing episode 12 from season two of Bad Batch, The Outpost. Um, I like to talk about the cast and crew up top. Um, today we basically have one guest. You can probably guess who he plays. If you've seen this episode, I hope you've seen this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about um, Crispin Freeman, who plays Lieutenant Noland in this episode. And he, like a lot of people in this season of Bad Batch, he is this crazy prolific voice actor who does a ton of video game work. Um, he was in Batman Arkham Origins, Final Fantasy VII, Overwatch. He's worked on a, he's worked as a script continuity expert on Pokemon, which I'll take that job. Um, mm-hmm. I, I want that job for Star Wars, but I'd do it for Pokemon too. Um, you got to start. He's you got to start really young doing voiceover work for Japanese anime, um, basically in the English translation version versions. And in 1995, he got a big break doing the voice of Mark Percy in the English-language version of Ping Pong Club, where he did dozens and dozens of episodes of that relatively popular show in that subgenre. Um, he has hundreds of credits as a VO actor in both um, cartoons and video game work. He has very limited live-action work, though. Uh, and today is his first appearance in a Star Wars. So welcome to the family, Crispin. Yeah. I think he does a great job in this episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he's very good as an um, uh, Imperial officer with uh, a huge rod up his ass. Yeah, he's and, got... And a sense of uh, unearned superiority. Yeah, he's he's such a good foil for the episode. He does an amazing job. Um, any questions or comments about Crispin? No. All right, let's get into the plot then. All right, so the show opens up at some base. Um, there are clone troopers and stormtroopers, and Crosshair is also there. An Imperial named Bragg, the woman's walking around with a unit of clone troopers. She's thanking them for their service. She tells them to enjoy their retirement. The clone complains about what they're supposed to do now. They are directed to a help desk. Yeah, she was in the previous episode or the previous season, wasn't she? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because we I remember we talked about because Bragg was um, like Fort Bragg, it's named after um, a military officer. Yeah, this is also nice continuity because we know that sort of Chuchi's effort to get them a pension or get them like a purpose post-war was basically a failure um, because of being outplayed by Palpatine. Sorry being outplayed by Palpatine. Um, so we're seeing sort of the consequent downstream consequences of that, that clones are being forced to retire. Um, Crosshair is approached by a commanding officer who tells him that he's out of uniform because he's not wearing his helmet. Crosshair puts his helmet back on. This sort of reminded me of Finn and Phasma in The Force Awakens. Mm, yeah. Where Phasma says, who told you you could take your helmet off? Yeah. Oh yeah, um, um, you you wanna you wanna see uh, a superior go uh, bananas like wear like the wrong hat or 
or cover or don't wear your cover where you're supposed to or have your sleeves rolled up when they're supposed to be rolled down stuff like that i have a friend who is a good friend who's in who was in the air force he just recently retired and he was like an e7 or something he told me that when he was in when he was had just joined when he was like 19 or whatever that he had um a co yelling at him about how to like package his underwear in his footlocker and he's like the guy was like right up in his face like screaming at the top of his lungs about how disorganized his clothes were and he's just like this one of these people that's completely unflappable you just can't get a rise out of him no matter what you do <laughs> and you're just like so you want me to redo it <laughs> <laughs> I just can't. I I was never in the military. I just can't imagine the pettiness of these people. Oh, yeah, it, it it lightens up a bit, but like the initial like basic training or boot camp, depending on your service, they want everything exactly the same. You've got to like fold everything just right, then use like tape to like make sure that your shirts and or underwear don't unroll, or um, and it's, everything's got to be just right. Me, I just kind of like. Socks just kind of like fold. Okay, underwear, fold, fold. I don't make sure everything's all tucked in nice anymore. But yeah, it's 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 just to show, get attention to detail, lockdown. But it's still pretty pretty petty. Yeah, watch the video if you care um, called Any Son Will Do. Um, it's about how military boot camp is designed as a cult-like brainwashing activity. Um, written by, it's a movie and book written by a cult expert. Anyway, what's what's it called again? Any son will do. Anybody's son will do. Anybody's son will do. I'll Google it real quick. Oh, here we go. Anybody's son will do. Yeah, it's an old it's an old old one. It's from the eighties. Oh yeah, I I uh, I believe it. All right. So the commanding officer is Lieutenant Noland. He tells Crosser that they're going to a remote outpost to guard some equipment that is being targeted by insurgents. They have to secure it until it can be transported. Nolan complains that his unit is mostly clones. He calls them used equipment. Um, Crosser sort of pushes back against this, but then they depart. So they, they immediately establish Nolan in this scene as sort of a hard-ass, complaining about Crosser not having his helmet on. He calls the clones used equipment, and he clearly doesn't value them. Yeah, he also so, calls Crosshair by his number. Yeah. So yeah. So this is this is some dipshit who is more than likely appointed or got just somehow th- through. Because um, I wouldn't have think that like, well, I guess they. I I don't know if the Republic had their own military academy, um, but it's just like yeah, this guy is just like. He's the typical asshole who, like, he's got nothing, like, he, he's got, like, no ribbons or, or anything whatsoever, no, his first command, so he, he needs to, he needs to make his mark. Yeah, they almost immediately established this, too, that he's super green. Mm-hmm. All right, so the outpost that they go to is on a snow-covered, frozen planet. I don't think we know the name of this planet. Do you mind looking that up? Um, Sure. The shuttle lands, Noland and the clones disembark. Noland slips on the ice, um, then he orders the guards to clones to guard the ship. And then above, we see the ice vulture for the first time, circling the station. Inside, droids are attending to the cargo. Just a bunch of these crates. Noland asks the droids where the commander is. 
the droids don't respond. A clone addresses Noland and says that they expected reinforcements 32 days ago, rotations ago. Nolan asks, where are his men? Why aren't they guarding the outpost? The clone commander, named Mayday, replies that all of his men are dead. There's only three left, and their names are Hex, Beach, and Mayday. Nolan says that he's in charge now until the cargo is moved. Mayday mocks him. Nolan fights back. They insult each other's careers, and Mayday tells Hex and Beach to get the new boss situated. This is the moment where Mayday says, how many how many assignments have you had? And Nolan doesn't answer, and Mayday says, that's what I thought. <laughs> is there a planet name? Yeah, I'm trying to find... Uh, oh, Barton... Barton 4. Barton 4. Okay. I don't think they yeah. say that in the show. But, yeah, I, I like the design of Mayday because he's got, he's got, like, extra... He looks kind of like a mummy, almost. Just He's got, like, extra, like, straps and cloth, I guess, to, to uh, help keep warm, or, like, over his armor. Yeah, he's, like, bandaged himself up mm-hmm. to, to reinforce the armor against the cold. I also like this this line where he says they they expected him 32 days ago. And they've been abandoned because a lot of this spoiler alert, a lot of this show is pushing Crosshair away from his slavish devotion to being a soldier and back toward um, being devoted to his unit or like his comrades mm-hmm. in arms. And I really think that this, I really think this, we were expecting you 30 days ago line isn't really a coincidence because it is about the same amount of time Crosshair waited on Camino for a pickup. Yeah. He yeah, that's that right. He was waiting yeah. there for 30 something days. Yeah. Man, that's a good call. That's a good catch. And so I think immediately this conversation that Crosshair is present for, he immediately starts identifying with Mayday. And so then after Nolan leaves, Mayday and Crosshair have this little chat and you see that the room is filled with old clone helmets, and this have, these have to be the fallen unit members of his squad. Um, Mayday says he'll give Crosshair a tour of the base. Crosshair asks about the raiders. Mayday doesn't have a much, that much information. Crosshair asks how they get past the sensors. Mayday says the sensors break down all the time and they don't have replacements. He says that they've tried, that they have to protect the cargo. Um, and Crosshair asks what's in the crates. Mayday says he's not allowed to know. There's a funny line that Crosshair says, like when they first start talking, like this is like Mayday, he like asks him like how how he got stuck with him, and he's just like like just lucky, I guess, in a very sarcastic way. Yeah, he says he says uh, known the uh, known Lieutenant Long, and he says met him this morning or something. And he says how'd you get how'd you get stuck on this mission? He said I guess I'm just lucky or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a very it's a very jovial, like inside baseball sort of conversation you would have with someone that you're pretty comfortable with. But it's obvious these two are getting along quickly. Mm-hmm. So after the tour, Mayday tells Crosshair not to scout alone and not to wander off. He says his armor won't protect him against the cold. That probably won't come up later. Um, <laughs> Mayday points out the vulture and says he admires them for figuring out a way to survive, even in, in a harsh environment like this. That also probably won't come back up. Yeah. Um, Mayday gets a radio call that the base is under attack. Mayday and Crosshair work their way back. 
Um, while looking through a scope, Crosshair sees a shuttle explode. This max out, maxes out his night vision scope and it hurts his eyes. He takes a shot, but it's not clear if he hit the radar or not from his vantage point. Um, Crosshair goes to investigate. So he really gets, he's there for no time at all and he already gets injured. Mm-hmm. It's a bad, bad situation. Crosshair stalks past the burning wreckage and follows the tracks to an underground passage slash cave system. He sees blood drops in the tunnel. Mayday catches up to Crosshair, and Crosshair shows him the tunnels the Raiders are using to get in and out of the base, um, and then shows him the blood trail. Back at the base, Noland is demanding that Mayday go retrieve the two missing crates. This is the big MacGuffin. There's two of these boxes. I didn't say how many there were before, but there were dozens. Mm-hmm. It's not clear how many, but there was a lot. But there's two missing now. And Mayday says Hex and Beach were killed in the raid. So Mayday says that if he wants him to go after these crates, he needs to use the troops that escorted Noland. Noland immediately says no, and says that Mayday and Crosshair have to complete this task alone. Mayday reluctantly follows this order. Do you want to talk about this mission or this raid at all? Yeah, I was... Curious, I was curious, like who it was, and I had like various conspiracy uh, conspiracies that it didn't end up panning out. But it's just that it sort of reminds me of the time in Willow, um, where the High Aldwin saying that they need to take Olor Dannon back, um, and like the best their their best warrior volunteers to go with Willow, and then uh, like Burgocut, the one guy's like like no, like he's our best warrior. We'll be um, will be defenseless and then the high old one tells burgle cut to go and all of a sudden he's crying for the the best warrior to come with him so it's just like this guy just like he just wants the idea that like his like his soldiers would leave him like he might be vulnerable like he can't he can't fathom that so he, he's just going to send these two out and if they, they come back or not who gives a shit yeah exactly and and there's there's this commentary back and forth. I don't know if it's here or later where they say it's not your where he tells them it's not your job to determine what's important and what's not. Like like he he just throws his weight around so perfectly in this scene. And a lot of people were talking when the scene when this show came out a couple like maybe about a month ago now that how from the second he starts talking you hope someone shoots him. <laughs> Right, yeah. like, like this guy is a frag waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The 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 voiceover actor does a very good job of like making him unlikable the second you hear him speak for the first time. Yeah, it's a great, great job. Um, so Mayday and Crosshair enter the tunnel and find the raider. He's dead. Um, so Crosshair did wing him. That's he was ble- bleeding from the shot. And Crosshair says he was left behind because he was dead weight and they didn't want to carry his body. And Mayday says to remind him not to die on Crosshair's watch. This is, <laughs> this is just a funny back and forth. Yeah. Um, shortly after this, Crosshair steps on a pressure mine in the tunnel. And it's depressed, and Crosshair realizes it's depressed, and so he doesn't lift his foot. Because um, presumably when you lift your foot, that's when the mechanism is released and detonated. Um, So Mayday uses some makeshift tools to disarm the mine. He basically nails these clamps into the ice um, against this pressure plate so it never um, releases. Never comes back up, yeah. Yeah. Um, While he does this, Mayday monologues about the end of the war. 
he asks Crosshair what unit he was with. Crosshair refuses to answer at first, but Mayday says it'll help him focus. Crosshair answers Clone Force 99. What happened to them? Mayday asks, and Crosshair says they're gone. Um, not super descriptive, but Mayday says, it's this moment where Mayday says, like, and we're the survivors, right? And so we're the mm, ones that yeah. are keep keep doing this for some reason when everybody else is gone. Yeah. Um, Crosshair lifts his foot off the plate, but before that, Mayday goes around the corner to be away from the blast just in case he didn't get it right. Um, the mine does not detonate, and they continue on their way. There's a lot of cro- there's a lot of um, callback to that dead weight comment um, in this conversation. It really, I don't know. This moment, this moment serves to further their relationship. Like, like, like Crosshair sees a lot of what this guy's going through, as what he's gone through. He's lost his unit. He's lost his brothers. He's on this weird mission, and Crosshair says a mission's a mission. And Mayday says, yeah, keep telling yourself that. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, it's obvious that they're getting shit missions. And they're they're sent after two crates and with no hope of actually achieving this mission. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, just the fact that they're, that they're just getting, like, even though they can't, it's like, why are they sticking around? Because they're, they're, they're being shit on. Mayday knows it. Crosshair knows it. But he just, he's just maybe a little behind the curve as far as acknowledging that fact. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Mayday and Crosshair continue through the tunnel to the camp where the insurgents are stationed. I had a really hard time describing these people. They're just raiders or insurgents. I don't know what to call them. Um, Crosshair Crosshair surveys the area and sees that there's multiple contacts inside. They approach to get closer. They start to take out the exterior guards and work their way inside. Um, I I know you said you had theories about who these people could be. I sort of like that they turned out to be nobodies. Yeah, yeah, it, it was fine. I, I I thought that like maybe that they were actually the clones that 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 um that some of them weren't missing. They just defected. Oh, that would have been that would have been an interesting plot point. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Well, they just turn out to be faceless raiders. Um. So. It's some sort of camp with multiple armed guards. Crosshair throws a grenade into the middle and shorts out the electronics. A firefight ensues. Um, It's hard to tell how many raiders there were. I tried counting them, but there were at least 20. Um, They just pour into the warehouse. Mayday and Crosshair are in. Crosshair shoots a canister and causes a large explosion. The crates, the two crates that they're sent after to retrieve, are blown into the snow outside the base. Um, this causes them to break open, and they see that they're filmed with stormtroop, filled with stormtrooper armor. Yeah, yeah. This is like, this is like getting uh, asked to train the person who's gonna, um, who they hired to replace you. That you just haven't, you're just not smart enough to realize that. Right. I've got people skills though, so I can't be fired. What What would you say? You do here. Well, look, I already told you. I deal with the goddamn customers so the engineers don't have to. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. Can't you understand that? What the hell is wrong with you people? <laughs> uh, Mayday. Mayday is upset that they have been risking their lives to guard Stormtrooper armor. 
and then he has this great turn of turn of phrase or something. I don't know how to put it, but he says they were good soldiers. They followed orders, and for what? Yeah. It's this wonderful. It's like turning the diction of the clones against like the programming of the clones. Mm-hmm. Just then, they notice an avalanche has started from the explosion a few minutes ago. They take off running. They leave the stormtrooper equipment behind, by the way. As the avalanche approaches them, Crosshair tries to push Mayday to safety. Crosshair's helmet is lost. It's knocked off and now is buried in the snow. Um, everything sort of like fades to black as they get swallowed by the snow. Um, Crosshair wakes up and digs his way out. He doesn't have his helmet any longer. He sees Mayday buried. He sees the, the top of Mayday's helmet buried in the snow. And Crosshair claws his way to him and digs him out. He is still alive, but barely. So I, I think... I think this is a turning point in the show for Crosshair, and yeah. the fact that he loses his helmet, and that this was one of the things earlier in the episode that Nolan's like, you're out of uniform, meaning like he's not <laughs> behaving properly, and Crosshair's not in uniform for the rest of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it's, it's um, kind of terrifying. I didn't realize how bad it was until I saw a video of uh, some, like a skier coming up upon like a snowboarder who just like i'm not sure what happened there is snowboarding in between the trees and all of a sudden just a ton of snow fell on him and like you see this guy digging the snowboarder out and like like surely he's like oh you're gonna find you're gonna get to the head and like the guy is all like cattywampus and weird um in the snow and it's just i was just like so freaky seeing um so it just it made me think back to this scene where he's trying to dig, he's digging him out. Yeah, and also Crosshair looks frantic. Mm-hmm. Like he he looks desperate to get Mayday out. And since his helmet's gone, like his face is on full display. Yeah. And and there's what I was thinking about when when he loses his helmet is I think we've talked about like the categories of creatures that you can kill in cinema before. Well, this might have been years ago though, where. Like if you watch like a Starship Troopers, you're allowed to shoot as many insects as you want, and people have no emotional reaction to it. The other categories of things that you can kill indiscriminately in a movie, and and people don't get upset or feel any empathy toward, are robots, zombies, and Nazis. Mm-hmm. Right, and so you can kill as many bugs, Nazis, zombies, and robots as you want in a movie because people don't view them as like having agency, I guess, or or yeah. having, having personalities or having anything that's identifiable in them. Nazi thing might is probably eroding, unfortunately, but 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 in this case, like without his with his helmet on, he still looks like Crosshair to us, but it robs him of all of his humanity. And now that the helmet's gone, he never mm-hmm. finds it, and so now his face is exposed. And so you have to look at his face. He's out of uniform, so he's not behaving like a soldier anymore. He's, he has a new directive, a new order, and the order is basically save Mayday. And that's his entire purpose yeah. now. Well, because, like, all the other clones hate him. Like, it's, they, they made it clear in, uh, was it the third episode? That, like, as soon as he sits down, they all move away. Yeah, he's alone. He's completely yeah. isolated. He's got one friend in the galaxy, and that friend is buried in the snow. Yeah. All right. Um... Where am I? All right, so now we now we start the journey back. So 
Crosshair and Mayday are together. Mayday's messed up. Mayday's hurt. He can't walk on his own. Um, Crosshair is helping him. So it's dark now and it's blowing snow. Mayday basically tells Crosshair to leave him behind. Um, Crosshair puts Mayday's helmet back on his head and then tries to pick him up. Okay, so it's basically, sorry, I skipped ahead, sorry. It took till night to dig him out. So the next morning, they're still walking in the snow. Um, Crosshair's carrying Mayday, but he's exhausted and drops him and falls down. Picks him back up, and they keep walking. Now it's dark again, so it's been a whole day, however long a day is on this planet. Um, and they're still walking, and Crosshair is now using his rifle as a cane. They sit up against a rock outcropping to partially shield themselves from the snow. Sorry, this sounds boring, but the show it's very effective. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> now it's morning again, and they're back to walking. They can finally see shuttles overhead, landing just over the next ridge. So they're almost back to the outpost. When they arrive, they see stormtroopers loading up crates onto shuttles. Nolan is signing off on the loads. He's got a little clipboard or whatever, Star Wars clipboard. And then some of the troops notice that Crosshair and Mayday are limping into the base. So all the troops like run over there. Nolan orders all the troops back to work, and Nolan approaches Crosshair and Mayday, and then he's immediately insulting. He says it's about time they got back. I think they've been gone for four days at this point, if if it took them a day to get there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you want to talk yeah, about this just, before we get to the end? <laughs> yeah, you just knew that he was going to... This, this is where... Um, that you, you you just knew that this was going to be his response. He wasn't going to be like, "Oh no, you guys, you guys need help," or "What happened?" It's more like, "You pieces of shit." Like, um, you know, like he's more interested in like the equipment than than them. Yeah, he like he's he's at the Nazi insect level with these guys, right? He's like, "There's no these people don't have to exist." There's mm-hmm. no they they serve no value other than to generate work. Um, and once they can't do work, they're worthless. It is it is incredibly gross. But yeah, because I've seen this in other in, in other things where um, like they don't care about like the cost. They just care about like what happened. They're completely oblivious. It's it's Burke saying that they can't. Um, they can't nuke the site from orbit because the terraforming equipment costs too much money. Right, it's gonna it's gonna cut it's gonna impact the bottom line. Yeah, like uh, like a more satisfying one is like if you ever saw the uh, the first season of the Punisher on Netflix, like uh, Frank Castle's uh, unit gets like they get just they get ambushed and a bunch of them just get hurt and killed, and then like the CIA guys is like all he cares about was like did you get the target. And and then like in a satisfying way, like Frank Castle pre Punisher takes the guy's eye. That's the new one. Uh, yeah, that's you know, uh, John John Berenthal. Is that am I pronouncing his name? But yeah, it's it's the the the, the soldiers that do the work. It doesn't matter if they got their asses handed to them or not. It or just completely deaf to their suffering. It's only did you accomplish the mission. And in this case, the mission is pretty stupid. Like, how many boxes like of stormtrooper armor are there? It almost doesn't make any sense, right? It's like, it's yeah, like, it's why just, are they storing it on this planet? <laughs> yeah, like he's 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 some he's some senator's son or somebody who got a commission, and he's 
he's got this shit assignment that he's going to do the he's going to do the best at it to try to get moved to a better spot because i mean this is how it goes like unless he wants to be in charge of like crates of I don't know, uh, armor on a inhospitable planet um so like these like these crates are just like a rounding error to him but it's more important to him to get them back or to get those guys out, out of the way he doesn't give a shit Right. It doesn't. His casualties of clones isn't going to impact um, whether or not his mission was successful or not. It's just going to be how many crates of this shit he gets off planet. Yeah. It's and like it's a he, stepping stone to something greater. Yeah. It's like if it's like as if he lost two. For him, it's like as if he lost two pens because he doesn't even think about it. It's just like, oh, what are you gonna do? Right. Um. All right. So crosshair. Nolan says it's about time they got back. Crosshair says Mayday needs a medic. Nolan continues to berate them. He calls them failures, and they refuses medical care, saying it's a waste of resources. Crosshair, who's also in a really bad way, by the way, we're talking a lot about Mayday and his injuries, but Crosshair is almost delirious. Um, Crosshair says he will die without help. Nolan replies that he has served his purpose, and then Mayday dies. So... Crosshair drugged this dead weight all the way back to the base just to watch him die. Mm-hmm. It was literally his only mission left was to save Mayday, and now it's over. Yeah. Mm. No, that's just it's it's rough. It's it's hurtful. <laughs> it, it's it's kind of a, a bit of a gut punch. Crosshair is still he, Crosshair is processing a lot right now. Yeah, well, because Crosshair has been such a dick pretty much since you meet the Bad Batch. And, and then since they spun off on their own series, he's been a prick. Uh, and now this is the, maybe, maybe, well, episode three, a little bit, you start to feel bad for him. And this one is just like, okay, he's not such a bad guy. Uh, he has feelings just like everybody else. Yeah, and we're coming off of the episodes where we sort of show that t- Tech has like an emotional inner life, right? Mm-hmm. And now we're showing Crosshair also has he may be different but he feels things right he's not just a psychopath he's not a psychopath he he has he just is so mission oriented and now he doesn't know what to do because the mission is bullshit he doesn't have a mission and he just watched this person like the last person on the planet that cared about him in the galaxy as far as he knows die so um Nolan says to Crosshair, if he ever disrespects him again, Nolan will make sure Crosshair meets a similar fate. (laughs) Above, a vulture is circling. Crosshair says to Nolan, Lieutenant. Nolan turns around, and Crosshair shoots him in the chest. Nolan falls to the deck. He's dead. Crosshair then falls back down next to Mayday, and troopers surround everybody and kick his weapon away from him. But Crosshair is completely incapacitated. He's exhausted and... Physically and emotionally, and he's captured by the stormtroopers. Anything for this last thing before we go to the sort of epilogue? Yeah. Well, it's it's also this guy's... This Nolan's an idiot because, I mean, if he knew anything about Crosshair, that he wouldn't... He wouldn't so casually throw him away. Um, and, like, the things he... If, he... if he was any kind of leader, if he didn't done any kind of research, he would know not to just... Crosshair is not somebody to turn your back on, and he's not somebody 
who would, uh, you know, because he's part of a, he's part of Clone Force 99, so he's not just going to, he's very, very dangerous. He's not, he's not a reg. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I, I fully believe he had no idea who Crosshair was. I, he doesn't seem like the type who would have cared to look it up. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so, so we have a little epilogue here, which I loved. Um, so Crosshair wakes up later, and he's on a medical table. The scientist Emery, which we talked about in a previous episode, shows up and calls him by his birth number and asks if he would prefer Crosshair. Crosshair asks where he is. Uh, Emery says he's under observation. He asks her who she is, and she says if she, if he cooperates, he might survive. Yeah. The end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is uh, this is grim because I for some reason I thought that this was the season finale, and I was like, holy shit, that's a kick in the balls uh, for for a season finale. <laughs> Little did I know, but um, yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> like this would have been a great cliffhanger for a season finale, except except they wanted to hit us with a truck. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, yeah, that's. Because I was like, like, okay, well, they're fucking with Crosshair, no big deal, because he's a dick. But now it's just like, oh, man, Crosshair, oh, buddy, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> this is, like, you're, this is not good for you. <laughs> you're fucked. Yeah, it's, this is, I, I was very happy that they didn't kill him. And then when they woke up and you see Emery, I was like, oh, shit. Right, because you don't know what they're going to do to him, what their plan is. We know that they have those off-the-book clones, clone assassins, and we don't know what their story is or how they made them. We don't know if, like, they're going to try to put, like, a new chip in his head or that will try to control him. There's anything that... There's any number of things they can do. Do you have any thoughts about what their goal is here? Um... Yeah, that's one of my first thoughts that they're just going to, like, brainwash him into becoming just kind of, like, unregistered um, fanatic clone. Um, or they're just... Yeah, that's the only thing I can think of. They're just going to strip him of his identity and just make him, like, turn him into, like, some sort of assassin or something. But knowing what I know now, it's my, just... Who knows? I mean, they're they're in uh, Mangala territory. They could just be doing shit just to see what happens, um, and you got They obviously don't give a shit about the clones, so it's just it's a warm body. So, and if you've got a ton of them, oh I, shit! I didn't even think about that. So, like, like um, Megala and like some of the other Nazis, they're very like they are like in, they're super intrigued by twins, right? Right. Well, now you've got like clones who are twins, except you've got tons of them. So you can do something to one and then kind of compare it to the others because they're all the same. Um, they've got the same DNA. Yeah. That, I, I don't know what Hemlock's ultimate plan is, even having seen the following episodes, but I would believe anything from like a disgusting Nazi fake science, fake genetics point of view. Yeah, I mean, it's something to do with cloning, obviously, but, like, yeah, it didn't even occur to me as, like, that they would do the have the clones because they 
are they are identical, so you can you can use them as a you've got the ultimate control group because you've got all like multiple of the same person, so you can screw with one and then kind of compare it to the others. Oh, that's some real dark stuff. I hope I I hope it's not that dark. Something more uh, a little less nefarious and evil. Well, we haven't <sighs> we haven't even. We haven't even done our usual thing. Um, I think I know the answer, but did you like this episode? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this this is a great episode. It's the... Yeah, me too. I'll say that this is the episode that they took their time getting here. But I am so happy that Crosshair is sort of back to his senses. Mm-hmm. Meaning, like, I am not going to do this anymore. Yeah. Sort of thing. I am very excited for what what they're going to do next with him. Um and and well we have we have four more episodes this season to record, but we know at this point that they're making a season three. And that's going to supposedly be their final season. And so I assume season three is going to be about putting the band back together as best they can. Yeah. Um, and so I'm very much looking forward to seeing what happens to Crosshair after this sort of, I don't know, awakening, revival, whatever you want to call it, um, where he's no longer under the thumbnail of the Empire. Or under the thumb, I should say, of the Empire. Top, top, top episode, in my opinion. I, mm-hmm. I just absolutely love this episode. Yeah, yeah it... Um... Yeah, it was really good, and like I do love something that has a grim kind of feel to it. Stuff that kind of makes you kind of feel bad, and you're kind of like, oh. Because that means that it really was able to hit an emotion. It's easy to do like little stuff to like, make you happy, get a little dopamine hit, but to make something to where you feel bad for a make-believe character, and it, it, I think that takes a lot. Uh, as far as like writing and then like the animation to do it right. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> um, do you have any thoughts about about any of the design of the design elements of the show, either either the Ice Planet or the Vultures or Nolan himself or anything like that? No, I think we pretty much discussed Nolan. I mean, he's got a fur coat, and, um, and everybody else just has their regular armor. Which um, he's just he's played very well as just your standard um, douchebag officer, um, but nothing that already hasn't been said. I I just really just enjoyed this episode and the whole atmosphere. Yeah, there's a lot of people. A lot of people have been reading into the vulture a lot because of the description about how it's somebody that survives in a harsh environment, right? And saying that it's supposed to be a metaphor for crosshair. I can buy it or leave it. Um, I I like I'd like to think it's meant to be some sort of metaphor for Crosshair's journey that he that he does what he needs to survive, but he's actually well adapted to his surroundings, so it's, it's actually not that bad for him. But I this episode in general just hit out all of the things that I I love about about this era. And it's sort of the desperation. We've talked a lot in these episodes about, not only in this episode or these episodes, but about like what happens to the clones, how they're transitioned out, and just watching how easily they torture and mistreat Mayday 
um, and Crosshair in this episode, I have no, I have no doubts what happens to the clones at this point. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're... just ground up. Yep. Yeah, it's yeah. That's why there's not so many around this, uh, and the ones that are are either homeless or just kind of uh, just kind of off doing their own thing, like Rex, Gregor, and uh, Wolf. And are like that. Um, no, those are the only four that I can think of. Um, post, um, I guess, post Empire and like pre end of Bad Batch that that we know for sure for certain are still hanging around. The rest of them just they got ground up and used. And they got used up and spit out. Like, God, it's that's so depressing. Like, did, did you um? In school, did you read um, Mouse? Yeah, yeah, the yeah the comic or the graphic novel. Mm, yeah, the graphic novel. The the, the um, oh this the this like gets me choked up. The, the I did there's I, I I remember a lot about it, but there's one panel to me that's just like it just is a constant like gut punch, and and, and I think it's apt here is that there is a like for anybody who hasn't read it, it's um. It's uh, M-A-U-S. It's based on the Holocaust, where the, the Nazis are cats, the uh, Jews are mice, and then the Americans are like uh, dogs. But there is a scene where a mouse, like the Nazis are coming to take away this mouse, and he's begging with them. He's showing them a medal that was awarded to him by the Kaiser himself. And they're like, they don't care. It's like, like the previous... Whatever you did, they don't give a shit. And that's how regimes like the Empire and other authoritarian regimes are. Like, doesn't matter what you did. It's only a matter of like, are you useful right this second? Yeah, I mean, it's starting to make me think about my own job right now. It doesn't matter what you did. What are you doing right now? And and. We don't. We're not an authoritarian regime, and I don't work for an authoritarian regime. But it, it's, it's a sort of logic that makes sense to me, not not emotionally, but it's sort of a logic that I can that I I've experienced, and that's that's what's terrifying about this. It's terrible. Like I, I just can't. Yeah, they 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 nailed the empire perfectly here. It's 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 worse than an unfeeling machine. It is a machine that generates cruelty. Mm-hmm. Internally and externally, you don't get as you don't get this diseased if if you if you don't have buy-in at every level for this kind of abuse. Yep. Yeah. There, there's. Yeah. Because it shows like, because like like how much time do you think has passed since like the start of the Bad Batch, which was like the execution of Order sixty six? Has it oh, been like the a year? Whole thing. Um, yeah. I would guess. A year ish. Maybe we can figure that out. It says it says that this takes place in eighteen BBY. Was in order sixty six nineteen BBY? Um. Yeah, I guess because I thought like the the empire was around for about for like twenty years or twenty five years because like the 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 events of the original trilogy were like five years. I yes, think. that's correct. Um, so I looked it up, and um, 
it's been just over a year between between um, Order sixty six and this episode. So yeah, because because I'm just thinking of like um, comparing that to like the the fall of the like the the Nazis taking over the uh, Weimar Republic, and then just shit going from like bad to worse. It, it went from bad to worse pretty quick there because they're um, there are already awful people in power and bloodthirsty, ready to do whatever. But just thinking that, like, there were people ready to go, ready to do whatever awful thing just for the sake of power, I guess, in the Republic before it even fell. Yeah, I think we saw that, though. I think we saw that in the prequels, that there, there was a lot of people that just were there for the wrong reasons or just there for their own like interests the dooku cartoon the dooku tale of the jedi cartoons had two or three examples of super corrupt people who were just there to like enrich themselves not help their people and the republic was corrupt and you put in an authoritarian regime and keep all the structures of a corrupt government but you consolidate power around an individual make it a cult of personality and then you just weed out you spend the next decade weeding out the opposition, mm-hmm. which is what like Andor and all of those shows are about, right? About like how Mon Mothma has to continue to hide and how they they're trying to hold on to what they had before, but they're doing it in like this clandestine way. It's really I love this period so much. Yeah, yeah. So do I. Just because it oh, it's because it's just so. I can like it because I don't have to live it. It would be terrifying to live it. Not yet. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. So yeah. So this is this episode is just great, just to show just the the cruelty is the point. It's just a meat grinder. Um, no, and nobody gives a shit. And it's it's a definitely like a, an awakening for Crosshair and for the audience to be like. Oh, Crosshair is, you know, he's, I mean, he's definitely got his problems and he's little, and he's, he's done some very questionable things, but he's still, he's still a person with, like he said, with hopes, dreams, and, and his own, like, uh, you know, thoughts and on things. So anyways, do you want to get to the rankings? Yeah, really quick. I just got one piece of trivia for the episode now that we're done. Okay. Um, Mark C. Hampton is an associate production manager on um, basically all of Bad Batch. He's he's been he's been the associate production manager um, on the entire run, almost uh, back to Aftermath and Cut and Run. Um, he 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 has a cameo in this episode, just a walk-on cameo as a stormtrooper who has one line. Oh yeah. That's cool. Yeah, so he's he's one of the stormtroopers with Noland, and he basically says like yes sir or something. It wasn't worth talking about in in the cast piece, but I like when Star Wars throws cameos to people and names things after production people. And so, um, congratulations, Mark, or yeah. sorry, Max. Um, <laughs> congratulations, Max. Um, you, you sound you sound like some celebrity doing a ca- uh, cameo, and like like you start off like saying the saying the correct name and then by the end you just like 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 you're like hey henry like happy birthday and then blah 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 blah. okay well anyway harry like happy retirement bye yeah 
You can you can you can hire me on cameo.com <laughs> to fuck up your birthday message. But I just want to say that I think that's a real cool thing they did for Max. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, let's move into the ranking. Yeah. Okay. All right. So now's the time where we rank an episode, and how we rank episodes is by a Star Wars character. So a really awesome uh, episode would be a Han, Luke, Leia, Vader, Chewie, etc. Somebody from the original trilogy. And a really bad episode would be. Now let's go, let's go with um, Grief Cargo's uh, protocol droid, who doesn't know the difference between a cruiser and a shuttle. What a dipshit. Okay, so Matt, what do you grade this episode? Um, I'm prepared for you to argue with me about this, or or be surprised at least. I'm going to give it a Ventress. Solid, because it has a um, major character who flawed, who has kind of a tragic end. Yeah, so Ventress. I'm giving it Ventress because I love Ventress and I love this episode. She's an important character. She has a really rough arc. Like, like she is fully dark side, psychopath, killing everybody, um, remorseless, sort of assassin, for lack of a better term. I think she even calls herself an assassin at one point. Um, and by the end, she has a ton of nuance, a ton of character. You, If you can, you really grow to appreciate her for like like what she went through and like who she is and this is sort of like my arc with Crosshair. It's like he they make it so hard to like his character. Mm-hmm. And then and then you just realize because of an episode like this, it's like like you only care. You're so mission focused that you can't see past it until someone literally holds a gun to your head and says like like you are you are nothing to me and. He does what he does. He kills him, mm-hmm. and I I just love the whole arc, his whole arc, and I, I want to see it finished um, in season three, and that's why I picked Asajj. That's a that's a solid um, uh, a solid choice. I yeah, I, for me it's gonna have to be um, I'll go with like a, a Satine just because it's just it's tragic and it hurts. Um, yeah, Satine being um, uh, Bo-Katan's sister, the original ruler of Mandalore before she was uh, killed by Maul. I know, I know, this is going to come out after Mando season finale. I'm assuming her name is not going to come up in the season finale. Yeah, because a lot of people think because it's too close to Sabine, that people will get confused. Oh, that, is that the, is that the speculation? Yeah, that just makes me mad. I want her to say something about Satine. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah, like yeah, I really wanted the, I really wanted the, um, the um, the armor to to mouth off about like uh, something about Satine, and that would just, and then Bo-Katan's just like, this means like, oh really, <laughs> and then just, just like, attacks her or something, because like, that would be because ideal. I, because I can't imagine the armor or their followers were, would have been too happy with the way Satine was uh, leading Mandalore at the time. I mean, they were Death Watch, so... Yeah, so, no. <laughs> yeah, so they were actively planning a coup against her sister at one point. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, 
I think you're a good. That's a good pick. As well. Um, do you have anything else for this episode? I don't. I don't. Um, let's just wrap it up, or else before before we get to we um, get into the weeds and blab about stupid stuff. So, um, I mean, unless you have anything. No, just the next episode is the Pabu episode. Ah, the Pabu episode. Yeah. Um, okay. So, um, thank, uh, thank you for downloading and listening. Um, be sure to tell a friend. We don't advertise, so uh, word of mouth is really how we get out there. That and uh, Matt posting funny things on Twitter. Um, if you didn't like us, sorry, but just tell somebody you don't like about us so we can get some downloads and maybe we, eventually we can... Uh, start selling uh, uh, ads to for uh, gold for old people or something or reverse mortgages. Um, but anyways, we will be back with the next episode of Bad Batch called Pabu. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewa, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, Please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at noochbaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. That's the deal. Take it or leave it.